Good morning. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song.
good morning once again, and welcome to those of you worshiping online as well as in this space. We're glad that you're joining us. And now hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 96. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Amen. Please feel free to stand and worship with us. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's good to see you all here this morning. And I want to thank you for those of you that are joining us via the live stream. Let us unite our hearts together in prayer. 
We'll begin by reading from Psalm 40. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Gracious Father, we unite our hearts together this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. We are confident that our hearts are united in prayer, whether we are present or whether we are watching via the live stream, because your spirit rules over all. And we thank you that you unite us. We thank you that you bind us together. We thank you that we are able to gather together to worship you. We thank you, Lord, the way that we are able to gather together to celebrate the birth of your son. We thank you that we've been gathered together as the this year, or 2020, has morphed into 2021. As we look to the new year, Lord, we pray that our hope and our confidence might reside in you. Even as we try to navigate the continuing chaotic situation surrounding COVID-19 and other cultural changes, we pray that your spirit would give us peace, would bring us comfort, and that our hope and confidence would be in you and in the gospel of Jesus Christ a gospel that transforms lives and gives meaning and gives hope and gives purpose when it's absent everywhere else. So Lord, as a community, we pray this morning, especially for Pastor J.B. Whirlin. We pray for J.B. and his family as they consider answering the call to join us here as campus pastors at Hardwick Ministries. We pray that their time in California has been refreshing and that the news that we hear from them, we hope this week will be encouraging both for them and for us as we look forward to a new season of ministry. Lord, we continue to pray for our world, a world that is in somewhat a chaos, a world where people, well, in a world in which COVID-19 runs rampant, a world in which respect for authority and for government and for the things that go on seem, seem weak. We pray for our nations that cannot get along. And we pray, Lord, that you would, your peace would continue to be present, that you would teach us as your people to speak words of peace, that as people created in your image, that we would learn to listen well to the concerns of others and that we would learn to navigate those things well. We pray for, Lord, we pray for ourselves as a community. We pray for those in this community whose lives have been touched by COVID-19, for those that have perhaps lost loved ones or close to them. We pray that your peace would be close to them. And we pray as a community that we might surround each other, that we might bear one another's burdens, that we might pray for each other, that we might care for each other, that we might walk with each other, and that in our own hearts, when people ask us how we're doing, help us just to be honest. Help us to say, can you pray for me? I have this need. I have this burden. Will you help me carry it? Because, Lord, the beauty of community is that we never face any of this alone, but we walk together through it, bearing one another's burdens, limping with one another, caring for one another, encouraging one another, and building one another up. And so, Lord, as a community, may we continue to not only bear one another's burdens, but we may be a community driven by mission, and that mission is to show the love of Jesus Christ to others. And so may we reach out 
and bear the burden of others and testify to the living work of Jesus Christ in our lives and the work that Christ is willing to do in their lives. And so, Lord, as we hear from the preaching of your word this morning, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our hearers. Help us to see and understand how you are transforming us into the likeness of Christ. And in all this, we ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. People of God, the word of God for us this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. But before we get to that, a brief introduction for those of you who might not know me. My name is Noah. I'm a third-year MDiv student over at Kelvin Theological Seminary, Lord willing, going to graduate in the spring. Uh, my wife of one and a half years, Julie, is at home right now with our five-month-old daughter, Alethea. I've preached here before back in October, so it's good to be back and see so many of you again. That's enough about me. Let's talk about Jesus. Once again, we're reading from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Hear these words. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This was not an easy sermon to write. And this wasn't because it's a particularly complex passage. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Today we have a very straightforward passage which begs us to acknowledge something terrible about ourselves. We are sick. Coming out of 2020, that phrase, we are sick, speaks powerfully about our condition. There are many of us who quite literally are unwell. COVID-19 has continued to ravage the world for months now, almost a full year, and where it was once a distant and foreign illness, it has now become very close to us. Family of mine have gotten sick. Friends of mine have lost loved ones. So this year, more than ever in our lives, the phrase, we are sick, carries a lot of baggage. But more than just our physical ailments, we face another kind of sickness. The pandemic's further reaching effects stem from our extended period of social distancing. For those of us fortunate enough to live with family or friends, the challenge of lockdown has revealed the ugliness of our selfish inner selves. We have to fight for bandwidth 
to attend online classes or work. We fight over the remote to decide what TV show we're going to binge watch today. We fight over who has to make dinner again because we're not allowed to go out to eat. On our days off, if we still have something that resembles those, we mope around the house with nothing much to do because our normal forms of entertainment outside the home are closed. And especially now with the weather turning cold, it's going to be harder than ever before to find something to occupy our time. So all of us, with the cabin fever building now for months, have short fuses. And we've been shown the depth of our sickness. We're selfish and angry and at times cruel. We can be mean to one another and assume the worst of one another. And that's just the people who live with others. For those of you who have been living alone for the past year or so, I can only imagine the difficulties you face, loneliness being the first among them. This pandemic has forced us to see that we are sick. And these are the symptoms of our illness laid out in Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And if that doesn't sum up 2020 to a T, I'm not sure what can. We have other ailments as well. Statistics show that pornography use has increased during the pandemic, at one point spiking to 41% above the average. Likewise, alcohol sales have increased, with some studies suggesting that the number of people who drink in excess has increased by more than half. People, we here, are trying desperately to distract ourselves with anything and everything that we can because living in a COVID world involves being constantly reminded that we are fragile. Every Zoom call, every Friday night spent alone, every time we put on a mask to go to church or the grocery store, we are reminded that at any moment our lives could be put at risk. One often wonders which is worse, the physical effects of the disease or the spiritual effects of lockdown. And that's why this sermon is not an easy one for me to write, because just as COVID is a reminder of our mortality, it's a reminder that we're going to die, in the same way this passage is a reminder that spiritually we are sick. Jesus says, I have not come for the healthy, but for, for the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And it's almost as if he turns and looks at us as he says this. And he looks deep into our being, and he asks us to acknowledge all the ways in which we are broken. Such self-examination is incredibly difficult because we here at church like to consider ourselves to be pretty good people. We go to church on Sunday and we pray every once in a while and we have a few Bible verses memorized, so we must not be too bad. But then we're asked to pause and consider how wicked our hearts really are 
We see the, the sickness in us just below the surface, all of that rage, malice, and deceit, and so often we have to avert our eyes and pretend like we didn't see anything. In many ways, our sinful hearts are just like that of a character in our story from this morning. This passage was written about the calling of Levi, a tax collector. And you might know that tax collecting has a very negative connotation in the New Testament. Tax collectors were viewed as traitors, both to their fellow Jews and to God himself, and here's why. Our story takes place in Israel, which if you remember all the way back in Genesis was the land that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. And all through the rest of the Old Testament, we hear story after story after story about Israel wrestling with God. They turn away and, and they worship idols, they worship other gods, and then they struggle, and then they repent, and then God forgives. And then they turn and worship other gods, and they struggle, and the cycle continues. And it happens over and over and over, and eventually... God has enough. So he sends the people out of the land into exile in Babylon and Assyria. After a time, he allows some of the Israelites to return, but once again, they're conquered, this time by a new enemy, the Roman Empire. And this is where we pick up our story. Rome was a, a very large empire, and in order to support itself and its military, it had to collect heavy taxes from the lands that it conquered. And instead of sending people all the way from Italy down to Israel to collect taxes and then sail all the way back up to Italy, that would be a long and costly trip. Instead, they enlisted local help. This is where Levi comes in. Levi took money from his fellow Jews and gave it to the enemy. He was supporting with his, his work and his labor the very people who are holding God's people captive. Levi and all the other tax collectors like him were traitors. They had turned their back on God and chose to complete their own selfish agenda. This is why the Pharisees react so negatively when they find out Jesus is eating with tax collectors. He is sharing a table with the enemies of God. You see, Levi was sick. He chose his own well-being over obedience to God. And this too is our illness. Revealed by this awful year that we've just made it through, we are, at our very cores, selfish. Search your hearts and you'll know it to be true. We want what's ours and we'll take it at any cost. When we're faced with great challenges and just the right amount of pressure, then we can become conniving and cruel and prioritize our own needs over the needs of others. You've seen it. We fight for toilet paper in grocery stores. We choose our own convenience over the safety of others. We're constantly on edge, and our fuses are short even with those we love most. No one is righteous, not even one. And this passage asks us 
to face that fact head on. We are sick. This sermon was hard to write because I don't like to acknowledge how broken I am. And being forced to self-examine and see how, how far removed I am from God's will for my life is challenging. But interestingly enough, and fortunately for me, this sermon was also very easy to write. Because just as we have a straightforward text that asks us uh, to face all the ways that we are broken, we also have a straightforward text this morning that shows us how graceful and merciful Jesus is. We've spent time this morning considering how wicked our hearts can be, but now we get to talk about how good Jesus is. See, Jesus here says that just as a doctor doesn't heal the healthy but the sick, he did not come to call the righteous but sinners. And this means two incredible things for us this morning. First of all, please hear this, our sin does not exempt us from the love of Christ. Our sin does not exempt us from the love of Christ. In fact, it does exactly the opposite. Our sin is what qualifies us for Christ's love. It gives us need for his grace. And Jesus came precisely because we are sinners with the explicit mission of calling us. And that leads us into our second bit of good news. Not only are we not exempt from God's grace because of sin, but the grace that he does give us can fix our sin. When we look back on 2020 and feel the, the weight of how horrible we can be sometimes, we can find comfort in the knowledge that Jesus is a healer, one who takes broken things and he makes them right. So while the Pharisees are busy judging Levi because they view him only as a wretched traitor, Jesus is sitting next to him. He's, he's sharing a meal with him. He's sharing life with him. And ultimately, Jesus is helping Levi to stop being sinful and to start living life as God intended. Jesus is inviting Levi into the abundant life that God offers. We and Levi are traitors, the enemies of God. But scripture tells us that even while we were God's enemies, he died for us so that our sins would not be counted against us. We were sick. But now through the blood of Christ, we are made new. Our sins do not exempt us from grace, and grace is capable of curing us. The hardest part about accepting this fact is that we still have a sinful nature to wrestle with. Jesus came to call sinners, and surely he calls us out of sin into lives of righteousness, but that calling he gives us is a call to sanctification. It's a big theological word we use to describe the process of being made perfect. Jesus calls us into the lifelong process of sanctification, two steps forward, one step back. And each of us is on our own sanctification journey. 
Some of us have been wrestling for many years, maybe our whole lives, while others of us may have only just started this morning. But the beauty of the gospel is that no matter where you are in the process, you are welcome here. The dealer and the addict, the drunk, the thief, the murderer, the adulterer, the list goes on. Whoever you are, you are welcome at the foot of the cross. Not to blindly continue in your sinful pattern of living, but to come and be made new. Whoever you think you are this morning, no matter how sinful you might feel, understand that the worst of sinners is the most welcome to receive grace. The sickest patient in the hospital is the first one to receive treatment. And in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the last and the least will be made first and greatest. One of the most common reasons people say they leave the church is because they feel that we are all hypocrites. We talk a big talk about righteousness and and living our lives a certain way, but then we go out into the week and we sin and we sin and we sin. Then we show up on Sunday in our Sunday best so that nobody at church ever finds out. And this is an unfortunate misunderstanding of the church because it assumes that we all think we're perfect. But far from it. This passage invites us to understand the depths of our depravity. We are traitors to God. But then, to understand that even deeper than the depths of our depravity are the riches of the grace of Jesus Christ. So don't think that you need to be perfect to come to church. If that were true, this building would be empty this morning. Instead, come as you are, with all of your bumps and bruises, all of your tired and weary, and lay it down before the great physician, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. Will you pray with me? God, you are the great physician. You take broken things and make them whole again. Jesus, we know that you are coming to make all things new. So as we go out into this new week and into this new year, I pray that we would all let this scripture change us. Let us be reminded not only of our great, great sin, but also even more so of your great, great grace. We love you. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to stand and worship with us.
Brothers and sisters of Christ, may God go before you to lead you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God go behind you to protect you. And may God go beneath you to support you. Do not be afraid. Go forth in the love and the mercy and the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah.